welcome to season four of Soccer Neophytes. Yep, that's right. That wasn't a mistake. That wasn't a slip of a tongue. Football Neophytes is now Soccer Neophytes. If you were aware this morning on Twitter, if you're paying attention, you would have seen a new crest. Uh, There are massive changes happening around here and we are very excited for them. Uh, We also have a new contributor this year. Kyle, last year's neophyte is sticking around. Um, And of course, we have a new neophyte who we'll introduce to you next week. Uh, But first, uh, Chris, Tim, welcome, guys. What's up, buddy? How are you? Thank you. Yeah. Tim, we will get to you in a moment, but before we do, I just wanted to take a moment to explain why are we now soccer neophytes Um, and feel free to chip in as you guys have been a part of this process as well. But uh, when I started this journey three years ago, almost exactly, um, I named it football neophytes. It's too long to even have a a Twitter handle for it, a football neophyte on Twitter. Um, and I was just trying to do it the proper way, football neophyte, right? Um, first off, I didn't realize how complicated neophyte would be that people, some people didn't know what that was. Um, and then sometimes I would search or in the early days for our podcast on Apple. And because it was football, everything that would come up was always American football at least on my search. And so uh, I've been toying around with the idea of like, oh, should we change it to soccer neophytes? And ultimately we decided yes. And the big reasons, other than it being confusing for an American audience is that we actually have an American audience. That is primarily who this podcast is geared towards. 75% of our listeners are, are American we do have some uh, faithful out in the UK and around the world, but, but 75% of our listeners are American. Uh, the podcast is designed for new American soccer fans. And I know that if I were a new American soccer fan, football fan, I probably would search for soccer. I probably wouldn't be searching for football. And so in an effort to best represent who we are as a podcast we thought we would change the name to soccer. And so I'm sure we'll call it football in the podcast. Still. I like calling it football. Um, but we can also call it soccer, especially for American audience. It'll make more sense. Uh, Tim, you were a part of that conversation. Chris, you were a part of that conversation a little bit. Uh, any thoughts, anything you would add to that? I would just ask, are we going to have a swear jar? So for anybody who refers to it as football neophytes, pitch in. We, we should, because I'm sure I will say it quite a few times. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to add. I'm just, I'm still always a little caught off guard when you talk about us having an audience. So that's, you know, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I just gave you percentages. I didn't tell you how big that could have been three of four listeners. <laughs> All I was saying was we had an audience. You're the one who needed to dive further into that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> So that's exciting, but in some ways superficial, the content uh, should be more or less the same. But what's not superficial is we've added a contributor this year. 
I'm very pleased to welcome Tim Hoyland to the Soccer Soccer Neophytes podcast. Thank you so much. It's good to be part of it. For the faithful remainers who have been from the beginning or who have for some reason wanted to listen to what was happening in the mind of a uneducated football fan back in the 2018-19 season, and you listen to episode one, you might recognize Tim's voice because Tim was my first guest and he introduced us to Liverpool, um, tried much to his dismay to convince me to be a Liverpool supporter. Um, Tim, welcome back. Tell us succinctly, uh, how did, how did you become a Liverpool supporter? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's good to be back. Um, I've been, I've enjoyed listening over the last few years. Uh, obviously as you added Chris, as you added Kyle, excited to be part of this next season. So, um, so I first started following Premier League soccer in, uh, 2013. That was when NBC got the broadcasting rights. So I don't think I was really paying attention to who had the rights before that, but I started seeing, hype about NBC getting it. And there was this Ted Lasso ad that was running that was brilliant with Jason Sudeikis as this bumbling idiot manager of Tottenham Hotspur. And uh, anyway, so I paid attention then. And at that point I started thinking about what kind of, what club I wanted to support. And um, I remembered back eight years beforehand, I had been backpacking in Italy with some buddies. I was finishing up college at that point. And we were almost at the end of our trip and we were in Venice and the, we were sharing a flat. So like we had one floor and this other group had the other floor, but they weren't there. And so it was just like super quiet in there. But then like in the middle of the night, the the first night we were there, all of a sudden it was just this like raucous crowd and it was just really loud. So we started talking to them the next day and they were Liverpool supporters who had just flown in from Istanbul where they had been at the miraculous 2005 Champions League final, where Liverpool was down 3-0 and came back uh, to win on penalties. So, I mean, I don't know why, like, a bunch of drunken Liverpudlians in Venice, like, left it, left that kind of an impression on me. But when it came time to start picking a team, that was the first club that I thought about. So I started digging in kind of on my own without a podcast, obviously, doing just some of my own research about, uh, the clubs and the culture of the clubs and all that stuff. And um, yeah. And so you'll never walk alone was a big part of it. I think just that anthem and the history. And at the time the club was not, not who they are now. They were kind of a seventh, eighth place club kind of struggling to find an identity. So it definitely wasn't a, a front runner pick at the time. Um, though I knew they were one of the big clubs with a great history. So I knew I wasn't picking an obscure club. I wasn't, I wasn't going the Wolves route or going the Leeds route. Um, even though those, those teams obviously have great histories as well. But anyway, so uh, that's how I picked Liverpool. And um, I've really been following closely since about 2016. So I guess, what, five years now. Um, but yeah, that's the story. Who is the manager in 2016? Brendan Rogers. Oh, Brendan Rogers. Now of Leicester. Yep. Nice. Yeah, Steven Gerrard was, was in his final couple of seasons 
Daniel Sturridge was our star striker. Wow. Um, Raheem Sterling was like 17 and I've heard of that kid. Yeah. So yeah, it was a fun club. That's awesome. Well, if you want to listen to the full interview where Tim takes a deep dive on Liverpool, I will link it in the show notes, season one, episode one. Gosh, I should listen to that actually to hear how little I knew back then. Barely more than I know now. Well, this week's episode is specifically designed around introducing our listeners to the three newly promoted clubs, Norwich, Brentford, and Watford. So uh, with that, we've each taken one of these teams. Chris, introduce us to a team that has a little pookie-sized hole in your heart. (laughs) Pookie kind of seems like a big man. Um, (laughs) So I don't know how little that hole is, but uh, yeah, I got the privilege of claiming Norwich for our introduction. Um, if you listen to any of us in the past, the last time Norwich was in the Premier League, Nate and I kind of liked them. We kind of fell yeah. in love with them a little bit. Like they sucked. Don't get me wrong. They got relegated that season. They're one year up. They went right back down, which as we transition into their history, we'll find out that that's basically their history. They're what we, we like to call a yo-yo club, as uh, Nate has introduced us to in the past. Uh, clubs that kind of go up and go down and go up and go down. They're, on, they're a yo-yo. They're on a string. All right. So, so Norwich, they were founded in 1902. And since 1935, they played their home games at Carroll Road. Um, back in the day, they used to have standing room tickets, and you could stand on the terraces. Um, and so they had crowds as large as like 43,000 plus. Um, I think their, their record back in 1963 for a FA Cup game against Leicester City was 43,984 fans. Um, but as of today, the capacity is at about 28,000 as they've removed those terrace uh, standing room tickets. And so it's a little bit of a smaller venue, um, slightly bigger than Watford. But um, yeah, it's been their home since 1935. And one of the interesting things I found out about it, about Carroll Road, is uh, it was built in 82 days, which is like no time <laughs> to, to build a, a uh, <laughs> to build a place of soccer. We're renovating um, our house, and I think we've been without a kitchen for longer than 82 days. So that is remarkable. I'm super jealous. Yeah. It's totally insane. They actually call it like the miraculous build, um, in their city. Uh, and so yeah, 82 days to build, uh, the arena and, or stadium, depending on how you want to look at it. It's obviously been updated here and there over the, over the years, uh, has not sat untouched for 90 years, but, uh, small additions here and there over this, the, over the years, but it's still a, a relatively small home for, uh, a, a EPL squad. Um, some of the cool things, there's no, there's no, uh, true, like identifiable owner. They're almost, uh, like the green Bay Packers in that they are a shareholder, club. So um, I couldn't find the exact numbers and maybe the exact numbers don't exactly exist in print, um, but there's estimated to be like around 6,000 shareholders in the club. Um, And of those 6,000, there's a couple that have 
the most shareholders and kind of identify them as like the head of boards. Um, one of the more depressing things about Norwich as I looked into it was um, one of the things I love is the celebrity fans. It's always fun to find out who, who was cheering for these squads, who, who presses them hard. Um, their list had five names on it of quote unquote celebrity fans Four of the five. I don't have any idea who they are. Um, I got nothing for you on who the four of the <laughs> five are. Uh, but the one I knew I'm legitimately questioning if, He's really even a fan because it's a huge name. It's Hugh Jackman is listed as a wow. Norwich supporter. Um, you know, that the means he like probably, himself. He probably wore a jersey one time, and they're like, someone found it, and it's like he loves green and yellow. He, yeah, he wore green that, and yellow once. Yeah, I was gonna say either that or they just they saw Wolverine and they're like, oh, that's kind of yellow. He wears yellow. That's Norwich's color. Um, so. So, yeah, there's not a whole lot of celebrities out there pimping the green and gold um, that, that the Canaries wear. Speaking of Canaries, that's their nickname. They are the Norwich Canaries, uh, named because, I guess, Norwich City is known to be a heavy breeding ground for Canaries. So, makes sense. You know, it's the early 1900s, and when you're naming a soccer game, you uh, name it for what you're known for. Uh, their colors are the colors of the canary. So their kits, um, how can I put this nicely? They're not the best, uh, but they're not the worst. They're very bright. They're very bright. The home kit is very bright. Like it's not a like toned down, like docile yellow. It's bright. It's in your face. It's slamming it in there. And it, Honestly, it, they look like canaries <laughs> in their kits. So I'll give them credit for just owning it and going with it. I will say I kind of like the kits. I fully admit that they're not great, but I kind of like them. Um, it's probably because my high school in Arizona, the Horizon Huskies, we're the green and gold. And so essentially almost the exact same color scheme that I grew up uh, wearing and playing and watching um, so I kind of like it. It kind of reminds me of, of my youth and, and coming up in sports and things like that. Um, their away kits are a sky blue. I think they call it a sky blue. I kind of thought it was like a teal or an aqua, uh, but we'll go with sky blue because that's the official color of them. And um, the other thing about their kits that no one needs to know, but you're about to know, is that a company named Joma or Juma j-o-m-a makes them yeah that's um, something unique about the the three teams we're featuring they all have somewhat non-traditional uh kit makers yeah or at least currently non non-traditional yeah and and what i found interesting and i don't have it up in front of me was um so joma this is their first season producing norwich's kits um they haven't done it in the past last season when they were in the championship they didn't have a kit maker I don't know how that works. They have no kit maker listed. And then a long history of no-name production companies making their kits. You have to go all the way back to, I think it was 1983, when they used Adidas for two years. So I think it was 81, 82, 82, 83. They used Adidas. And then going back into the 60s, they used Umbro for a year. But other than that, they've used no-name production um, 
kit producing companies for their kids. So um, maybe it's like a local thing that they like to do. I don't know. Maybe they have a contest every year and see who can provide the, the best the best kit from Norwich City. I, I have no idea. I didn't do enough research to really know anything about Joma or Juma or Jokaba, whatever you want to call them. Um, but yeah, so that's their kits. Now, the team itself, not a great history of winning. Um, like we said, like I said, they're a yo-yo club. They go up and down. They won the League Cup in 62 and 85. Um, their highest finish, however, in the uh, Premier League as we know it, um, it was in the 92-93 season when they finished in third. And they have never finished higher than that. Usually they're a lot lower, and usually they go down. So um, looking at this squad, I actually I kind of I kind of like the squad. I think they're going to be a much better team than they were two years ago. I think they're much better positioned this time in the Premier League um, to compete and and have a chance at staying up. So I'm kind of excited from that standpoint. So we touched on Tamu Puki a little bit earlier, but uh, let's take a, a full look at him right now. He is their main star. He is their head goal scorer. Um, he was the guy that Nate and I fell in love with just because hearing his name. And then I think he dropped a hat trick in like his second or third game of the season two years ago. And we were like all in on Pookie. Um, so Pookie, you are still my Pookie. I love you. It's going to be exciting to have you back in here. Uh, a couple other players to, to keep an eye on. Uh, Grant Hanley is uh, a defender for them. He's their captain of the squad. So usually he's wearing the armband. Um, last season, he was named to the all-championship team along with Tamu Puki and a couple of other guys. Um, they have another defender named Max Aaron, who's a really good young fullback. So they actually have a pretty strong uh, back four. Their, their back line uh, was not very good a couple of years ago, but they've invested in that, in that group of the squad. Um, so hopefully their defense can hold up. Um, they do have a, a pretty good keeper in Tim Cruel, who uh, was also on that uh, all championship team from last season. So um, their biggest loss, and it, and it will be a tough one, is uh, Emiliano Buendia, who was maybe their best player last year, um, had a huge season in the championship, was a big reason why they won the championship and got to come back up. Um, they sold him. Uh, this this uh, transfer window to Aston Villa, they got back 42 million or 42, 42 million pounds. Um, so it, it's a big loss, but it's also a big payday for them. And, and that allowed them to kind of reinvest some of that money, which is what, you know, those smaller teams need to really be doing. So they used that 42. They brought in a couple guys, uh, Milo Rashinka, Rashinka. He's a uh, right winger. They brought him in for 12 million pounds from uh, Werder Berman, who is in the Bundesliga League. Bundesliga? I guess you don't say Bundesliga League, huh? It's just the Bundesliga. Uh, so they came over from the Bundesliga. Uh, ben Gibson, who's a center back, uh, they got him from Burnley for 10 million on the transfer. And those are their main guys. Um, like I said, they have a lot more talent than what they did a couple of years ago. A few other guys that I wrote down, just to keep your eye on Billy Gilmore, Todd Cantwell, um, good, solid players in the midfield. So um, I, I kind of, you know, I haven't done a full dive into all the squads and um, who knows if that will actually happen before next week, but I kind of like their, their, 
prospects of staying up. Um, I think the biggest thing for them is they have a really rough start to the season. So it's more than likely going to look like same old Norwich to, to kick off the year. Um, their opening schedule, they start with Liverpool, play Man City, Leicester, and Arsenal are their first four. That's a really, really tough way to start a season as a promoted club. So if you're being honest, they might have zero points after four. You might, I mean, I feel like you'd probably be pretty happy if you could pull two points out of those 12 against those four to start. Yeah. Um, the good news is that I'm not a big Arsenal guy. I haven't been for a while. I, I think they could beat Arsenal because they seem like they're kind of a disaster right now. Um, but who knows? That's a, that's a tough, tough way to start. So don't get down on Norwich when they have zero points at the end of the first couple of weeks, uh, brutal schedules. So, and, uh, last thing I should probably hit on is their head coach. Um, he's a German, his name's Daniel Farky or Fark, you know, I'm really good with the name pronunciation. So knowing which way to go with the E on these foreign names is always tough. Um, He's 44 years old. He came over. Uh, he was um, he was in Bundesliga two. He was Dortmund's level two coach for a couple seasons before he went over to Norwich, um, and he's been there for three years. So I think the first year that they were up was his first year uh, in the Premier League. Um, I don't know a ton about him. He had a playing career. Obviously he did coach for like six or seven seasons in a smaller league before he was in, in the Bundesliga too. Um, here's what I know about him. He looks really tough. If we were picking, like if we put all 20 managers in a battle Royale, my money's on Daniel Fark. Hands down. I got no qualms throwing the money on him to win that fight. Um, so, I, yeah. I would put money on the fact that he's already actually killed someone. <laughs> he <laughs> looks like he's an assassin for hire. Just posing as a manager. Yeah, he's terrifying. Even in bright yellow. Yes. Yes. He's so. the he's the HBO Max version of Ted Lasso. <laughs> if there's a dark, like assassin posing as a head coach show that hbo max wants to do just base it off of daniel farkey 100 percent agree uh, so yeah so that's that's norwich city in a nutshell um i'm excited i think it's going to be cool to see him back up hopefully you know pookie scores a lot of goals i know towards the end of last year i think he had some nagging injuries he was playing like half games um but they kind of had a top position wrapped up um, so I'm excited for it. I, hopefully, uh, we get a lot of pookie goals can fill that hole in my heart that I've been missing and they'll lose both games against Manchester United. There you go, Chris, the only, uh, and I'm only saying this because you pronounce Watford way better than I do. I think Norwich, I think you like, don't pronounce the W if okay. I'm correct. Norwich city. Yeah. So well, that's the fun part about reading about clubs and, totally. not, and not listening to anything is you just you go with what you feel, you know, and there's a W in there. And my American head says to pronounce it. I know. So. All right. Norwich. There's your Norwich City Football Club roundup. Great. Tim, give us Brentford. Yeah, it is my distinct honor and privilege to introduce Brentford and welcome them to the Premier League. Um, so they're a West London club. 
uh, my England, my England geography is not great, but I figured out it's about halfway between Heathrow and downtown London. So the closest stadiums kind of closest major stadiums to them are Stamford bridge where Chelsea play and Wembley where there's, you know, a lot of tournaments and stuff. Um, and then they're also close to Craven Cottage, but we're not really allowed to talk about Fulham anymore, right? Mm, so sad. So full ground. Yeah, Oof. they'll be back. Um, they they have a swimming pool at their stadium, or they will have a state a swimming pool at their stadium, Fulham, when they get back. So they really need to get back in the Premier League. They're the di- they're the Diamondbacks of the <laughs> Premier League. <laughs> Actually, yeah. that's not too far away. Uh, yeah, comparison. If there were relegation in baseball, D-backs would be right there with them. A hundred percent. I I actually I thought we were all on board that the Diamondbacks just took the year off, guys. <laughs> yeah, they basically did. All right, back to Brentford. So they were founded in 1889. So they've got a long, sad history. They're the bees. Apparently, um, back when they were starting out, there were some fans that chanted, "Let's go bees." as like an abbreviation of Brentford, like let's go letter B's. And then that became their, their name. They're owned by this really interesting guy named Matthew Benham. Um, there's an H in there that I'm going to, I'm going to assume is silent. So from what I've been able to figure out, he's basically, he's apparently a lifelong fan of the club. And in 2012, he bailed them out of debt and pumped lots of money in. So uh, his background is he's a banker with I think Bank of America is what I saw. And then he turned professional gambler and founded a betting company. So he's been applying Moneyball tactics, speaking of baseball, applying Moneyball tactics to Brentford. And that's at least what they're crediting with their ability to get back to huh. um, the top level. So the last time they were in the first division of English soccer, was in 1946-47, so obviously long before the Premier League. Um, Since then, um, so kind of most of the time, they're just wallowing in the third or fourth division. So they haven't really been close until the last couple decades. They've um, been very close. They um, almost got promoted in both 2015 and in 2020, and they lost nine playoff finals in recent years. Oh. So just knocking on the door, they finally broke through. They beat Swansea in the final, which I still have a soft spot in my heart for Swansea, the Welsh club. They'll be back to at some point. So um, key players. I'm going to be honest here. I'm not really familiar with any of these guys. Um, I'll just name off a few of them a little bit. I've learned about them. Seems like their biggest star is this guy, Ivan Tony who is an English Jamaican striker, 25 years old. Seems like he's got goal scoring potential. So we'll see how he does in the Premier League. Um, Their goalkeeper is a guy from Spain named David Raya, David Raya. And on footballreference.com, it looked like he also has spent time as a forward. And I don't know if that's like he did an Allison goalkeeper thing where he ran up for a header and got credited with some forward stat. But I, I want to learn more about that because that's pretty cool if he's able to, you know, swap out and play forward. The captain is a Scandinavian fellow, a Swede, a defender by the name of 
Pontus Janssen. Um, so he's the captain. Lots of Danes, lots of Scandinavians. Him. Is that why you chose them? But it warmed my heart to see it for it sure. Yeah. So lots of Scandinavians. Um, I should mention in um, related to that. So Matthew Benham is also the owner of, oh, how do you say it? Midgeland? Is that, is that how you say it? They beat United, I think, in Europa several years ago, maybe. Huh. Midgeland, I think. Anyway, they're a Scandinavian team. Um, so there's a connection there. And there's another one when we get to the, uh, to the manager. Anyway, so lots of Scandinavians. One Ecuadorian, which I always love to see Latin Americans on um, Premier League squads. And three guys with Caribbean roots. Huh. And then the one other player I'll mention and former player is Stuart Dallas in his pre-Leeds days. So Kyle, shout out to you, my friend, who I'm about to meet next week. Um, okay, manager, Thomas Frank. Not to be confused with Frank Thomas, the big hurt. Um, he's, da- um, he's Danish and has his history is um, managing Danish clubs and the national youth squad. He joined Brentford in he joined Brentford five years ago and has been the manager since 2018. So we'll see how he does here at this next level. A few more things about Brentford. They play at Brentford Community Stadium, um, which is only was only built um, or opened, I think, last year, from what I've been able to tell. They played from 1904 to 2020 in Griffith Griffin Park. Um, so it's, it's, it was small and Brentford community stadium is small. 17,250 is the capacity. Wow. Um, it's surprising that they don't have like a big, for being a new stadium that they don't have a large, like corporate brand on it. Totally. Yep. And, and that it's not larger, right? I mean, that's still, that's a pretty small, they've been knocking on the premier league door for this many years. It's pretty small stadium. Um, one fun fact about Griffin Park that, um, I guess will be turned into a residential neighborhood, uh, was that it was the only stadium in English football with a pub on each corner. So, wow. RIP Griffin. RIP. Um, okay. Almost last but not least the kits. So they're Umbro which Nate, as you mentioned, is not a a common one in the Premier League these days. It is the maker of the Guatemala national team's kits, which always warms my heart, having grown up there. So, um, and then they've got Hollywood Bets as their sponsor, which I haven't been able to figure out if that's the company that the owner started or if he sold sponsor rights to some competing (laughs) gambling company i haven't been able to figure that out i would assume it's his company but i don't know for sure so the home the home kit to me is kind of meh it's red and white stripes um with this big hollywood bets logo that's not great no it's Um, there's some like logos that just look bad on kits but then there's also just bad logos (laughs) and that Hollywood bets logo is atrocious. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, you've got, I mean, just kind of a boring, boring caps lock Hollywood with small bets under it. 
in kind of a nondescript font. And then you've got this strange lopsided kind of like blurry star above it. So yeah, it's, it's not a great sponsor. Mm -hmm. But I mean, other than that, the kit's fine. Red and white stripes, it's fine. And then their away kit is this, they describe it as, uh, what do they describe it as? Buttercup yellow. So I'm really curious to see how those will look on TV. Because I've seen it here. It's kind of a rich yellow. I saw some stuff on their Instagram feed. It looks really light. So we'll see how it looks when they actually put them on and get out under the, the lights. There are a ton um, of yellow kits this year. A ton of yellow kits. Seems mm-hmm. like every other team has a yellow kit, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the very last thing I'll say about them, celeb fans. Um, so Cameron Diaz is listed as a fan. She's apparently friends with a restaurant owner in LA who has some connection to Brentford. And then Phil Collins is rumored to be a fan but it seems like that's under a lot of um, that's been under a lot of scrutiny for many years because it's like he mentioned going to the stadium once as a kid, but has since made favorable comments about Tottenham and kind of seems to bounce around with different clubs. He may just not care about football very much, but Phil Collins, there's a chance that he's a Brentford fan. Nice. That's it. That's, that's my introduction. Love it. I'm really excited to watch Brentford. It's always good to get new blood uh, in the Premier League, and especially a team that hasn't been in for this long. Obviously, with with Norwich and Watford, they were just in two seasons ago, so Brentford will be fun. Well, that brings us to Watford. They are a club northwest of London, so they're just outside of outside of London. Uh, somewhat ironic that I drew this short end of the stick, uh, Watford, for those of you who listened to the first season was a darling of both Chris and mine. Uh, we both really enjoyed Watford, uh, fascinating story behind them. Uh, they were high on my rankings and towards the end of the season, I was pretty close to, uh, choosing, uh, Wolves, Wolves had taken an early lead and Watford came back in the FA Cup semifinals to beat Wolves. And it quickly turned what was a bit of a love towards Watford into very much a, uh, a disdain for them. And I've found that only to grow over the years. And uh, Chris was really close to choosing them <laughs> as his team. Thankfully for him, he didn't. Oh, how history would have been different. Really close may not even be accurate. Like, (laughs) I don't know how you define something that's closer than really close. That would be more accurate, whatever that word is, whatever you want to make up. You basically changed your mind on the spot, right? Sitting in the chair on your patio, drinking a beer. I changed my mind. Pulling into your driveway, Watford was the choice. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, I'm glad. I'm glad we have you still with us. We'd be welcoming you back to the to the uh, soccer neophytes podcast. Exactly, because you know what has two thumbs, and I was really glad he didn't choose Watford. This guy. That's right. That's right. Well, all that to say, I uh, there was a bit of other controversy. Raúl Jiménez scored a goal, and he put a 
like one of those wrestling, like Mexican wrestling masks on after he scored a goal and Watford fans were not happy about that. And Troy Deeney is one of the players we'll talk about later called him out. And so I am going to do my best to give a fair assessment of Watford uh, through clenched teeth. So Watford uh, founded, they're the earliest of these teams to be founded. They were founded in 1881. They are nicknamed the Hornets. Yet on their crest, they have a moose or a, a deer. It's actually not a moose. It's a heart, which is a male red fallow deer. And that is since 1978. So they did have uh, a hornet on there, but then in 1978, they changed it to this heart on a yellow and black background. And the heart represents the town's location in the county of Hertfordshire. So apparently Hertfordshire, maybe you pronounce it Hertfordshire. So uh, someone can correct me there, but they uh, now have this heart on their crest. Um, they have Italian ownership, which I didn't do much more looking into other than that. And uh, this is uh, another yo-yo club. They were in the Prem back in 1920. Um, and they'd been in the Premier League actually for a, for a few seasons. So them dropping out, not maybe not a surprise, but um, but this is now their, their time back some players to, to note, uh, their star is Ishmaela Saar, S-A-A-R. He's a right winger. He had 13 goals and 10 assists last season. Uh, so they don't have kind of a massive goal scorer. They didn't have anyone. I don't think in the top 10 last year in the championship, um, but they kind of spread the love all around. Um, Jal Pedro is another uh, young center forward for them. He had nine goals last year, um, but they have kind of three interesting transfers. They have a guy named Imran Lauza. He came over from Nantes in the French league. Um, he's a center midfielder that they paid uh, a, a decent amount for, I think 11 million or something. Um, so he's a new guy that we'll want to keep our eyes out for. They also brought in some familiar names, at least familiar names to me from kind of our, my first season following. They brought in Josh King. Josh King was on loan to Everton last year, um, but was it with Bournemouth, Bournemouth before that? He's a striker. Uh, they brought him in. Um, they also brought in Danny Rose from Tottenham. He came in as a transfer. So those, those are some names that might be familiar if you've uh, been watching Premier League the last few years. And then their captain is Troy Deeney. He has a very interesting past, spent some time in jail uh, and prison, um, is much loved by Watford fans. Um, he's their captain. Um, so that those are some players to keep your eye out for. Uh, their manager is Shisco Munoz. Uh, he was a left winger uh, in from Spain, um, played for Betis, and then but then actually spent most of his career playing in the country of Georgia, not the state. He didn't play for Atlanta United. He played for in the country of Georgia, and has like 
tons of goals, but like basically his whole career was, was played um, out in the Georgian league. He ended up managing his Georgian club that he had played for, for six months. And then came over in December of 2020 and took over Watford. That's something that Watford's kind of known for is just crushing through managers. I think they had three different managers last season. And that's a team that was playing well. Um, I think they also had some changeover in, in managers um, in uh, their relegation season too. So um, I don't know what it is there, but a lot of turnover uh, in, in managers. We'll see how Shisco does. Um, and for those who don't speak Spanish, which I didn't, I had to actually look this up phonetically. His name is spelled X-I-S-C-O. Tim, does that sound like a decent pronunciation? Shisco? Shisco. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would say Xisco. It would be more fun if it were that way. It would be more fun, but it's Shisco. They play in at Vicarage Road relatively small stadium, 22, just over 22,000. It is a proper stadium. It's a beautiful looking stadium. Um, would love to, to see a match there. Their kits are garbage. Uh, They're really gross, ugly kits um, made by a company called Kelme, I guess. Kelme, unknown, TBD. Um, they've got this cute little paw on them. That's their, their little logo and their home kits are black and yellow, like a bumblebee, I guess, like a hornet, um, yet with a deer on their chest. Uh, it doesn't appear that they've officially released their, their away and third kits, but the, what's been leaked is not good just kind of a red away kit with a weird design on it and a green and teal third kit with a weird design on it. So again, we'll have to see how those actually turn out, but, but nothing really super impressive as far as kits go for Watford. Um, They have a very famous supporter more than a supporter, in fact, undisputed supporter, you could say. Um, a lot of these like famous supporters are hard to nail down as as we've heard already. But this supporter, there is no doubt, and that is Sir Elton John. Sir Elton John not only is a supporter of Watford, but he was also club chairman. Back in the seventies. Yeah. He was club chairman back in the seventies, um, has a stand named after him. Uh, there is no doubt that he is their most famous supporter and more than a supporter. That is Watford. Um, they, you know, I don't know. We'll get into this more next, next episode. Um, when we do a full season preview, but I think it's going to be hard to say where any of these promoted teams kind of land. There's definitely some teams from last season that 
I think should be nervous. So I think it could be a really interesting relegation battle this year. Um, and even picking the best of these three teams, I think is going to be, is going to be tough when we, when we choose our wolves award. Um, I think it could go a lot of different directions. So, so that is our preview of the three newly promoted clubs. You know what, real quick, here's what I want to do before we uh, sign off and say good night till next week. I want to know from each of you guys, and I'll give mine, uh, at, on a scale of one to 10, give me what you think the likelihood of, of your team that you just previewed staying up. Since you've thought about it, Chris, why don't you start and I'll give it a little more thought. Okay. Um, like I said, I kind of like this Norwich team. Um, they had some good additions. They had a really good season last season. I'm, I'm going to give them, it's not great, but I'm going to give them like a four out of 10, like a 40% chance that they stay up. I can see that. Tim, how about you? What do you think for Brentford? I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna say, having not really thought about it at all, I was gonna say for Brentford, forty percent. Thinking, well, certainly that's lower than, than Norwich. Um, so maybe thirty percent. I don't know. It's so hard to tell, and there are mm-hmm. some other clubs that, as Nate, as as you said, who should be a little bit nervous. But yeah, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard to tell. It really is. And then, and, and also maybe I'm being a little, little too dark on Norwich with that 40%. I mean, you've got to be better than three teams, right? Like none of these squads are playing to go to, you know, any of the cup games. Uh, they need to beat three teams. And so maybe, maybe I should go a little bit higher. Maybe I should really put Norwich in the 50 to 50 to 55 range. Mm. Yeah, I think I would put I'd put Watford at 50. I think what's so hard and we'll get into this next week again, what's hard is I don't still have enough of a grasp on world football and the transfers in and out. So I'm mostly going based on like transfer fees on how good a player is, which I know is like a that's a horrible way of trying to discern that. Plus, how does a player fit within a squad? I have enough time like figuring it out for Wolves. So then to try and assess like all the moving parts, like how much is Harry Kane's potential departure going to affect Spurs? And that's like a massive name that I can like recognize, but getting into these lesser names and these for sure with these squads that I don't know much about. So all that to say, I base it probably more on... Watford's history of having been in the premier league recently and having, they were up for a few seasons in a row. Um, I'd probably give them like a 50% chance. Like I'd give them a better chance than Norwich, even though you're saying 50, 55 for me, I'd maybe put it at 50 for Watford 40 for Norwich and 30 for Brentford. But again, Brentford may be great. I just have no thing. I have nothing to base it off of other than their history. Well, yeah, that's the we, thing with Brentford's Moneyball approach. What I've read is kind of that they kind of feel like they'll never have the money to compete with other clubs. So they have to be smarter. They have to be, um, you know, buying undervalued players and selling overvalued players and doing the Oakland A's thing. And 
well, time will tell if they're as good as the Oakland A's, but, um, but that's their gamble. They're not going to try to compete on money, you know, on transfer fees and stuff. They know they can't. So yeah, it'll be a real gamble to see how that pays off. Yeah. I think that that, you know, for Brentford's standpoint, it's almost like you kind of want to see what a club like that can do if they can stay up for a few years, right? Like they can't compete financially right now, but if they can stay up for two or three seasons, you know, bank that EPL money that comes in, maybe they could really, you know, it's almost like injecting steroids into their system, right? Like they actually have a financial revenue now that gives them that opportunity. So if they can get it and stay up, who knows what they could do. Yep. Was, uh, Hey Nate, was, was Watford basically the wolves the season before wolves showed up? Like didn't, weren't they, didn't they finish like top eight or something? In yeah. The first I think season they back up. I think they did. Yeah. Okay. They, they finished top of table. I think maybe even the same year wolves finished seventh, they might've finished eighth or ninth. Yeah. I remember them being right there, you know, cause that was one of the reasons why I was almost going to go with them was, you know, not a huge club who was playing really well. Yeah. They finished. I'm looking right now. They finished, they finished 11th that season in 18, 19. So I think the year before they must've been top seven because I think that was one of the years where the champions league winner was in the EPL. So they got seven squads into the cup games that season. No, they didn't make it. No, it was, it was Burnley. Burnley had them. Okay. Watford finished 14th in the uh, 17, 18 season. Nice. Well, what's funny about me not picking the not big team that was playing well was that I picked the big team that wasn't playing well. I just, I just flipped it. I just, yeah. right. I just put it right on a script. Super smart. Well done. <laughs> well, gentlemen, we will all be back next week with our massive season preview. We're going to introduce our neophyte that we are very excited to have join us. So until next week, guys, like Tim, always, it's Glazers oh, I know out. the line. I know the line. <laughs> Glazers out. Glazers out. Bye.